Hello, everyone, and welcome back to the Pulse Podcast. This is the second part of our multi-part mini-series focusing on starting a family in residency. Just to remind you, my name is Jeff. I'm a second-year resident physiatry, I guess, for another two weeks, and then I become a third year. And I'm sitting here today with Vivian Ma. Viv, do you want to introduce yourself? Hey, and I'm Vivian. I'm one of the uh, Gen Surge residents, uh, also an R2, soon to be R3, senior. That's kind of scary. Very exciting, right? Very terrifying. Let's just put it that way. Vivian, I think you're ready. I saw you teaching medical students in the Emerge the other night like an absolute champ, so I think it's senior time for you. I'm fairly certain I scared him off, (laughs) but we'll see. We'll see how things turn out for the next three weeks. So just so everyone knows, in the past when we've tried to deliver content-heavy episodes, we've scripted the episodes, as you may have noticed. Uh, and we felt that didn't lead to the most natural conversation. So today, Vivian and I are going unscripted. So get ready, everybody. It's going to be exciting. It's going to be, it's going to be off-road podcasting. I don't know what's going to happen. Uh, and I guess if you never hear this message, it's because it got out of hand and we, we had to scrap it all. <laughs> or my phone went off. <laughs> One of the two. in the background. <laughs> no, we can fix that with editing. <laughs> okay. That's good to hear. So um, today, we are primarily going to be focusing on pregnancy when it comes to starting a family. We're going to focus on the pregnancy part and how that impacts residency and uh, how that Im- impacts, you know, getting, getting through the five years or the two years or whatever program you've signed up for. Um, so we did a bunch of research. And Vivian, I think you have something to share with us from our research. Yeah, so there's a very... Uh interesting quote that uh, we found um, that basically says that at the end of the day, pregnancy is a short period of time in a medical career that should span 30 or more years. Very interesting thoughts. Yeah. So I think uh, we just kind of want to preface it because we are going to provide some information today that, uh, I mean, I'm not about to become pregnant, quite obviously, <laughs> but it it scared me. I'm not going to lie. When I when I interviewed some of the, the residents that have become mothers and spoke to the wellness office and other people, it, it made it sound like pregnancy was really tough. But I think that quote really hammers home the idea that like, yeah, you know, pregnancy can be tough, but we're training to be physicians and we're hoping that our, our work lifespan is a 30 year work lifespan, not a nine month work lifespan. So even if things don't go as well as you might have planned, you know, keep in mind that this is a 30 year marathon, not a nine month sprint. Yeah, it's just similar to residency, right? So it's essentially uh, residency is a bit of a marathon and not so much a sprint. And that's the same, I think, for um, pregnancy in the context of everything else as well, for sure. Yeah. And so, I mean, I guess I guess we can start, Vivian, by just talking about the elephant in the room. And I mean, the elephant in the room for us is that when it comes to having uh, children in residency, residents run into problems. That's That's really the bottom line. We found this paper called Medicine and Motherhood, which was released by um, the doctors of BC. And it was kind of a research paper that looked at all the evidence as to how how becoming pregnant as a physician, how, how things change. And they, they threw home a couple, I guess, unfortunate knowledge points. I don't, I don't know if you want to share a couple with everybody. Yeah, so for sure that, um, you know, as especially in the field for us females uh, in medicine, we get to have to get pregnant a little bit later, et cetera, because we have to consider prioritizing our medical career for sure. You know, have going through pregnancy, it impacts our career plans in the sense that, you know, it does affect us, our work performance or, you know, our ability to carry on at certain points. And there is a certain point that you need to do, you do need to take some time off as well. So, you know, it's, it's kind of interesting. You, there really is no good time at all to be pregnant at all. It's really just trying to make and prioritize and just, you know, if it's something that you want to do that you have to do and just kind of work around it. 
Yeah, and we've heard over and over and over again that residency is probably the right time to have children. And we talked about that on the last episode. But, you know, there are financial advantages. There are time advantages to doing it during residency. So there never really is a good time. But residency might be the best of your bad options. Oh, for sure. Just chatting around with uh, various other people, it sure seems like um, in terms of a work-life balance too and uh, compared to starting your career, for sure, uh, residency is an, a good time to Yeah, but at at the same time, like the research shows, there's really clear costs to becoming pregnant in residency. So the one thing that came up over and over again is unfortunately there's higher rates of uh, miscarriages and complications and just, you know, things you wanted to avoid. The the medicine and motherhood paper pointed out that there's higher rates of miscarriages, preterm labor, abruptio placente, hypertension, C-sections, all of these things for females that become pregnant during residency. And there's a couple things that, that factor into that. Like you already mentioned, we tend to be at an advanced age when we decide to become pregnant because we spent so many years training. And then there's all the on-the-job hazards. Like for you specifically as a surgeon, you're standing for hours a day. Late into your term, if you're standing for hours a day, that can lead to some of these unfortunate complications. So oh, I- For sure. And like even like the on-call shifts as well that, that we have to go through, I don't know how my colleagues do it, but oftentimes they work through their call shifts while being pregnant. And these are long shifts. You're walking and on your feet for at least 20 to 30 hours at a time. So that, that certainly can't be great in the healthiest and most ideal situation for a pregnancy. Yeah. And I mean, the, the, the research that I found is, is pretty clear that in the later parts of your pregnancy, you want to be on your feet for four hours, no more. But <laughs> that's I, like an happy surgery. <laughs> like maybe 30% of our surgeries. I was going to say, like, that's got to be one of the shorter surgeries you guys do, right? <laughs> So, I mean, I guess the elephant in the room is a lot of us want to start families, which is totally fair. We're humans too. But the complications of being a physician mean that we start families at a later date and our job imposes restrictions on us that make pregnancy just a little bit more dangerous. And I I guess that's unfortunate, but it's something we need to acknowledge up front. Oh, absolutely. And so, you know, maybe this is why it'll be helpful when we uh, interview a few residents who have gone through something like this uh, so that they can help us shed some wisdom uh, as to what they went through. Yeah. Yeah. It was great to talk to the residents and the wellness office and everyone else for their insight on the whole pregnancy process. But, you know, before we get to, to pregnancy, I guess it's worth going over. Last episode, we talked about planning to have a family. So when when should you have a family and what are the factors that come into that decision. So if you're wondering, you know, I'm just thinking about having a family. What are the things I should think about? Check out episode 4A where we talk about those factors there. Today we're, we're mostly talking about pregnancy. Yeah. And I mean, when it comes down to pregnancy, there are things you can plan. Oh, for sure. Uh, I know certainly some residents that kind of go through and you talk to their program director um, and make arrangements so that, you know, maybe they can do a master's years at that time. So for sure, sometimes it definitely is something that they can pre-plan for. And of course, there are times that does happen without any forewarning. Yeah, but I mean, a, a couple things we should probably highlight because, you know, there are there are things in our contract that help when it comes to getting pregnant. So first of all, it is financially beneficial to have a child during residency because we qualify for employment insurance. But we only qualify for employment insurance or EI if we've worked a total of 600 hours before taking time off. So if you're thinking about becoming pregnant in residency, make sure you've worked 600 hours and you can find out how many hours you've worked by just looking at your pay stub. It tells you how many hours you've worked on your pay stub. Add up all the pay stubs you get to know exactly how many hours you've worked in a year. If you've worked for 600, you qualify for EI. That's pretty awesome. You get paid on maternity leave. Beyond that, we get 52 weeks of maternity leave that you can split between you and your partner however you choose. Although the first 17 weeks are 
guaranteed to only be the province of the birth mother. Uh, so whoever gave birth to the child gets the first 17 weeks to, to care for the child. And then the last, I guess that's 35 weeks that are left over, you and your partner can split however you choose. Yeah, and I guess another important aspect, um, especially for uh, us who do call for a long period of time, is that after 24 weeks of gestation, it's also good to know that as per a contract, there's, we don't do more than 12 hours of consecutive work hours if we're more than 24 weeks along in our pregnancy. So Vivian, I'm going to stop you there because if I read that correctly, that means you wouldn't do call after 24 weeks of pregnancy. But let's get real. Do you see general surgery residents that are more than 24 weeks pregnant doing call? Oh, of course. I think we just had an HPB fellow who uh, uh, worked up until she was, I think, 35 weeks gestation. And she did long, long hours. But, you know, she did limited and it was certainly less than before she was pregnant. But I think we try and a lot of the thing is you were, you know, everybody's very understanding of your situation. So there's a lot of camaraderie. And I'm sure everybody is able to help take some of that load off of you if you're at that point, which is nice. Cool. I I mean, that kind of, I don't know what to say there. You know, as your resident union representative, I feel like I must remind us that in the contract, after 24 weeks of gestation, we work no more than 12 hours. But I know every program has its own culture and uh, that can impact how pregnancy goes for you. But I guess, I guess I should flag here that if things are, are going poorly, even if you're in a tough surgical, spe- especially like Vivian, you know, Vivian's a lot tougher than me. It's important to know that even if things are going poorly for you, you can always reach out to the resident doctors of BC, maybe your own program director or the, or the wellness office if you're having a tough time with things like call. And you do have protections in place in your contract to help make sure that it isn't the worst time of your life. <laughs> Exactly. I'm sure everybody will uh, is very understanding of the situation, has gone through something similar, and uh, will try and make things work for you uh, one way or another. Awesome. Now, Vivian, it's great to hear us talk, but I've never been pregnant. I don't think you've ever been pregnant. Nope. I'm a plant killer. Uh, Vivian is a plant killer. Okay, great. <laughs> but um, what, we, what we have done is interviewed a bunch of residents who have gone through the pregnancy process. So I think it'd be great to hear from some of them. And uh, one of the first people we're going to hear from here, her name's Claire. She's a second year resident in internal medicine. And this is what she told us about planning for her pregnancy and the things she most considered when she thought about becoming pregnant. I actually planned it. I was very planning ahead of time, but I planned it so that even if I made it to sort of term or, you know, if the delivery mm-hmm. happened very early, you know, now we have, you know, babies can survive as early as 24, 25 yeah. weeks. I did plan it so that I would be EI eligible as of that time okay. in the pregnancy so that there would be no concern financially that I'd be able to stop and get the EI. Foresight, right? Yeah, for sure. She uh, definitely uh, did a lot of pre-planning into this. Yeah, but it seems like this goes beyond EI. Um, A lot of people have challenges for when they do get pregnant. When should they uh, tell people about it? When should they let their PD know or their program know? Yeah, I mean, Claire managed to talk about that as well, which was super useful. Yeah, I spoke with my program director at 16 weeks, which is something around there, 12 or 16, sort of around that first trimester, everything's pretty certain time frame, because that's when you sort of know that you're likely not going to be losing the pregnancy and, and having to back out and say, oh, never mind, I actually don't need all those accommodations we just made. So I spoke to him around that time frame and we planned quite clearly ahead. We looked at the rotations I would be on at 24 weeks. We actually made a change there because I was on a rotation that has what's called team call. So your whole team is on call and they would very much miss you not being there and it would be hard on the team for you to not be there. So we switched that to a different rotation and then we took, as I said, we took out some of the CTUs and stuff that were later on where 
where it's the, the call is an important part of the learning because that's where you do all the consults. Yeah, so I mean, I guess what we heard there is when do you approach your, your program director is like a big personal decision, right? And it's wrapped up in so many kind of cultural expectations, right? You don't want to tell your program director too early and then suffer from an early loss and have to have a second conversation that might be even more difficult. So Claire made the decision to speak to her program director at 12 or 16 weeks, as she said. But if you really wanted to, you could speak to your program director earlier just to let them know what your plans are. But as Claire said, that comes with some risks. So, like, I don't know. What, what do you think you would do in that situation, Vivian? I think that's very that's a very challenging thing to go through, for sure. It's very hard, and I think you take a lot of it into context that, you know, your program will uh, make accommodations in the future. And, you know, you want to tell them when it's more sh- when you're more sure of things, but... After at that point, too, you, you want to make sure that they're also adequately prepared uh, in the future and they can pre-plan everything around it as well. Yeah, and I guess Claire kind of hinted at this as well, but sometimes we worry about what kind of reaction we'll get when we go to our program director with our plans. Certainly for females, I can understand that they're worried that if they go to the program director, there might be a negative reaction. I don't know if that's something you would worry about as a general surgery resident. Oh, absolutely. I mean, they always say that residency is a five-year interview. And so, you know, having something to, you know, it'd be terrifying to have your program director think, you know, is this, uh, how is this going to affect the program, et cetera, and your career? And so for sure, it's a, it's a big thing to really disclose and, you know, planning to chat with your program director. It's, it's a big decision at that point. For sure. And, you know, I had the chance to speak to Stacey Cabbage. I should say Dr. Stacey, Stacey Cabot. She's a family physician or family physician resident in Prince George. And she's also studying, she's doing a master's at the University of Northern British Columbia on the effects of parenting on residents. And she had some really interesting things to say about how sometimes there are negative reactions and how that can impact your decision to become a parent. So this is what Stacey had to say. So positive attitudes toward maternity leaves were also helpful, especially when I include it within reasons, self-directed return to work accommodations, such as gradual return to work without overnight call. Male residents were grateful for flexible paid paternity leaves that allowed for last-minute rearrangement of the work schedule. Because sometimes it was like, you need to tell us four weeks in advance when you're going to take your paternity leave. It's kind of like, I don't know when the baby's going to be born, you know. So there were some difficulties there. Some residents did not feel well supported. I think I touched on this earlier too. Maternity leaves have been referred to as hassles by the administration. Commentaries included, you you chose to have kids. Did you think it would be easy? And you're always making us change things for you. That's not positive. (laughs) These attitudes added extra stress in planning maternity leaves and return to work. Yeah, I mean... (laughs) I saw you make an unhappy face there, Vivian, when you heard Stacey tell us uh, some of the things she heard. But I think it would be really tough to be someone who's newly pregnant. Maybe it's your first pregnancy. Uh, You go speak to your program director and the response you get is, well, what do you want me to do? Oh, absolutely. And I don't think that's uncommon, especially in the world of surgery, for sure, where there's only so many residents and you... you know, were a bulk of the workforce. And from their eyes, for for sure, I'd be afraid that they would think that this is just uh, something that they would have to accommodate and this is a hindrance, uh, etc. And then how would that affect the career in the future too? So yeah, you know, we talked about this in the last episode where this whole idea of like extreme work. So residency is classified as extreme work in the research. And what that means is you kind of center your whole life around it. Uh, Your your life becomes your work. And we all know that's what residency is, but it means when you want to do other things with your life, like pregnancy or starting a family, there's a clash. And it, it's sometimes hard to sort out what takes precedence in the, in, during, during those clashes. 
And we kind of heard that when we talked to Claire, that uh, R2 in internal medicine, where she started telling us how she felt guilty for missing her call shifts when she was past 24 weeks pregnant. Uh, this is what Claire had to say. Is that something that crossed your mind? Yeah, of course, absolutely. And I, I think about that. There's a couple people on stress leave in our program right now. Um, and I think that they probably feel the same guilt. You think, okay, well, I'm not here. Who's taking my call? That kind of thing. My call, you know, putting that yeah. in air quotes. Um, but the way that I get through that is I want to live in a world where people feel comfortable taking leave in medicine and in other programs, both men and women. And I want to be someone who would also support those people. So if that means taking 145th of the extra call that's left behind, then I absolutely want to be a part of a program that has that support. So you can hear there, Claire's got like a really positive spin on it. She felt a little guilty about not doing call, but at the end of the day, she realized that, you know, we, we do have to make accommodations for lots of different reasons. And she wants to be part of the, part of the accommodation solution rather than the problem, I guess. But I don't know if everyone's going to feel that way. Yeah, I think we also have an opinion from uh, Elizabeth who talks a bit more about uh, the pattern that of uh, guilt that some residents may feel about call and everything. Yeah, and just so you know, Elizabeth is one of the clinical counselors at the Resident Wellness Office. So if you ever run into any difficulties during residency, she's a great touchstone. Uh, and we asked her what pattern she's seen in residents who have decided to become pregnant during residency and had to do things like step aside from call. And this is what Elizabeth had to say. Yeah, and there's, you know, and then there's lots of guilt that, that's talked about during our sessions with, um, with residents that are pregnant, like guilt around if they were to, um, not be able to do a call shift because they're feeling extremely exhausted or really sick and the burden that that puts on other people that have to pick up, um, the call, uh, and so, you know, that sometimes, or I'd say many times these feelings of guilt outweigh the resident's own health and self-care. So, I mean, that kind of sucks, right? You feel so guilty that you you start to have, like, negative... It really impacts your life, I guess, is what, what Elizabeth is saying. You can feel so guilty that even though you're taking time off from call, it might actually be worse than just doing the call. Oh, totally. I think, only speaking on behalf of surgery residents, we already feel guilty about taking a day off when we're sick, like, you know, having somebody else cover for you. It's such a giant hassle you feel like you're putting on your teammates. So I can't even imagine how people may feel if they were pregnant and having a lot of calls for a couple of months, having people having to plan around and accommodate that. So Probably worth underlining that really, I think at the end of the day, what we need to move towards is a residency system that accommodates, especially for things that are totally normal in life, like occasionally running into medical difficulties or having a child. Uh, and when we put this expectation on ourselves and our colleagues that we're never going to need time off and that accommodation is bad, you know, that's what creates these toxic cultures that we've heard about in medical school. Oh, for sure. It definitely uh, feeds into the bad rep that residency life is very difficult and you can't and there's no time for anything like a work-life balance. So for sure, I think it's definitely a culture shift that we need to have and a mentality thing on all of our parts. I just I just guess it really sucks to be, I don't know, like the first female gen surge resident who insists on stopping call shifts after 24 weeks of gestation. Like I could, I could totally see how there's concern that that might negatively impact your career. I mean, if that was you, Vivian, if you were pregnant, would, would you ask that after 24 weeks, no more call for me? Oh gosh, it would be so hard to bring that up to the team and uh, to your PD, to your colleagues, etc. Um, I mean, I'm sure everybody is lovely in terms of your residency program and they'd be more than happy to help accommodate things. But personally, you'd feel so guilty. 
I didn't even take a day off when I was sick, uh, let alone like uh, for the next little bits, having somebody else cover my call shift and saying, Hey, it's 12 hours. I gotta go home. Uh, I'm pregnant and I, you know, this is not good for baby. Like that takes a lot of guts. Yeah, for sure. And like, I can speak to this a little myself. I mean, obviously I was never pregnant, but at the start of residency, I was in a really bad car accident and I had to take some time off work as a result. And like, I'm a physiatry resident, right? Like we're all about wellness and all that jazz. And, and even in my situation, I felt a little guilty. So I can't imagine what a gen surge or like a neurosurge resident might go through where the cultural expectation that you focus your life around work is just so much greater. But I think we need to remember that if you need the accommodation, that's okay. Oh, totally. And, you know, put it into perspective too, right? At the end of the day is this one time little thing that, uh, you know, this one incident for a couple of months, that's going to make a, a, a difference in the long run. Or are you somebody that, you know, in the long run, this is your pregnancy. This is something that's important to you. So um, putting it all into perspective, I think is very important as well. And, you know, carry through with that and uh, helping with that cultural shift. But, you know, it's it's more than just asking for accommodations. Like we talked about earlier, Residents, unfortunately, have a much higher rate of complications during pregnancy as a result of our advanced age and also as a result of the nature of our work. So I spoke to Elizabeth about that as well, actually, and I asked her, what what is the thing that most bothers residents? What's the hardest part about pregnancy for residents? Because she counsels residents who have had difficult times during pregnancy. And you know what? This is what she had to say. Well, I think around with the loss of of a pregnancy, so a miscarriage, there's the emotional grief that I think is surprising for for parents or for moms and dads is is that the grief is because we know that there you know it's fifty percent chance of having a miscarriage and so you know we know the statistics and that it is you know it it happens and so when it does happen. Uh, even though you're prepared and you know the statistics, I think that when it actually does happen, the loss and the grief that you can experience afterwards, the sadness can take you by surprise. And for many people, the grief of, of um, losing a baby can carry on for months and months, which is quite normal. Um, but I think that because perhaps it's not talked about very often, that and, and perhaps uh, what, what I notice is that residents don't tend to have a safe place to to talk about this so it's, it's you know they don't feel comfortable talking to their program directors they don't perhaps feel comfortable talking to their co-residents and so there's just nowhere to kind of debrief and talk about what is normal in terms of of grief or emotional processing and when it comes to a loss and then the difficulty with residency is that very often moms can't take time off with a miscarriage so you know they are expected to be back at work and if if they do take time off they're expected to make it up and and so because it's so grueling anyways to think about you know making up call later on is is overwhelming so it's just kind of this like suck it up attitude which is is very difficult for mothers yeah so i mean I guess she points out like one of the hardest things that you can experience in, in the whole pregnancy process is a, a miscarriage. And I, to be honest, this is my own ignorance, maybe my own sex coming into play here, but I never really thought about that. I never thought that could be a big problem. Yeah, and I think, you know, 50%, wow, that's a pretty high number. I, I never realized that either. And it's important, you know, like the emotional um 
grief that you might be going through, uh, if that were to happen, that would be devastating. I, for one, wouldn't even know what to do with myself uh, except bury myself into work. And certainly Elizabeth touched on the fact that that may not be the healthiest way uh, in dealing with this potentially, for sure. Vivian, do you think you might have a type A personality? Oh, absolutely. Which surgeon? <laughs> Egos, type A personality, the works. Especially a female in, re in surgery, right? I mean, you have to be that strong character. And um, I think this all plays into the fact that, you know, having, you know, being pregnant or having a miscarriage and needing time off, all of this thing just, you know, you're afraid that you might be perceived as being weak in your, uh, your field, in a very male dominant uh, field, especially. So I want to, I want to jump on that. Like you feel like you need to be super tough as a female resident. Oh, absolutely. I feel like, you know, it, it's a general consensus and something I've noticed too within the surgical field that oftentimes the females that you, you meet and they're a bit more assertive and, uh, you know, you have to be that dominant presence to kind of stand up for yourself within a male dominant uh, profession. But how tough is that when you have something like a miscarriage that might go down? And you don't want to be at work. You don't want to be asserting yourself. Like you just had a horrible thing happened to you. You had a loss of a child that you were looking forward to. Like, I don't, I don't even know how to sort through the tension there. Yeah, and I think that's the difficulty that a, a lot of people would probably have to go through, right? Um, it's probably the fact that, you know, you want to, one, bury yourself in your work as a means of coping because, you know, you, you work all the time, it's so busy, you don't have time to think about it. Um, but like you mentioned, you know, it, it's kind of like a toughness kind of thing that your, your program might perceive, and I think that's part of where the, this, the fear comes from. Hmm. And I maybe as you know your resident representative, I just need to put this plug in here. But if things go poorly for whatever reason, when you start to, when, if you decide to start a family in residency, whether it's a miscarriage, whether it's a conflict with your program director about accommodations, whatever it is, resident doctors of BC is always there to back you up. The wellness office is always there to provide emotional support if you need it. And you know you do have your own peers within your own program. If if that's if those are people you're comfortable reaching out to but I just want to underline like don't suffer in silence I think we do that a lot and I don't know if it helps absolutely I think especially you know in our field where um, you want to do the best and you don't want to rely on people I think sometimes it is healthy to kind of look to for support in other ways you know be it your other residents or PD whoever you might feel comfortable with and I think while it might be difficult to relinquish that kind of um, you know just feel fall vulnerable for a second or something. Um, but, you know, at that time and stage, you're going through a lot of emotions and that might be the healthiest thing for you, believe it or not. You know, this is a really great time to pull in Kyla. So Kyla's a, an R5 and she just had a child herself. And uh, this is what she had to say was the hardest part about having a child. Yeah, that's a really great question and, and something that I hadn't really thought of as I was organizing my rotations leading up to going on maternity leave. So I had a really healthy pregnancy and Felix is perfect and healthy, but I went on an elective where I was going to be observing fluoro-guided lumbar and cervical facet injections as well as um, epidural injections. And so, um, you know, I had to really kind of advocate for myself early in that elective to say, hey, you're like, I'm, I'm pregnant. I, you know, what are, what are the safety precautions I need to have? The techs I was working with were really fantastic and they, they reassured me like we have pregnant residents and technicians all the time. Here's this, the special vest. Make sure you're this far away, you know, but that was definitely something like 
that I hadn't anticipated because, you know, you go to a different center, you're working with different staff, you don't want to be the one, you know, quote, like drawing attention to yourself. Mm -hmm. And I had to be really uncomfortable and say, (laughs) like, it made me feel really uncomfortable to say, I need some special treatment because (laughs) I I did, you know, it was like radiation. Um, (laughs) So, yeah, I think pregnancy and you know, new parenthood is all about being uncomfortable. So I think I just have to embrace it and get used to it, right? I think Kelly hits on something cool there. Like, if you're a new parent, it might be uncomfortable. You might need to ask for help. And that's totally okay. I think, you know, there's many different places that you can look for help too, especially um, be it your program, your co-residents. And, you know, if the program director, you know, you're not getting the support that you're looking for, there are also other options uh, from the resident doctors at BC. Yeah, for sure. And, you know, when it comes to having difficulty in, in pregnancy, we uh, actually asked Elizabeth from the wellness office beyond miscarriages if there's anything she sees as being particularly difficult. And she brought up the dreaded first trimester oh gosh (laughs) this is what you have to say about that well i do know you know i i we get we we also have several residents that we see that are are pregnant um or have been pregnant and you know the things that come up during those discussions are just how hard it is you know during that first trimester to do call like how how absolutely exhausted the these residents that are pregnant are and how you know you're looking forward to that week 24 when when you're call protected but oftentimes the exhaustion that and the, and the morning sickness and sort of the all-day sickness that's experienced in that first trimester is extremely difficult for residents that are pregnant Man, I'm such a snowflake. Like, if I have a headache, if I feel sick, like, I am, I'm hitting the bed. I'm not going to work. Like, obviously I'm not a surgeon, but, <laughs> like, I just couldn't imagine being in your position. I couldn't imagine being a surgeon having to work, you know, a 36 hour call shift with morning sickness like that. Yeah. I mean, even so, like, right now, I feel like I'm tired all the time. <laughs> I can't even imagine what my colleagues who are pregnant going through their first trimester feeling even more tired are going through and how they survive that for sure. I guess it's probably worth flagging here that, you know, there really isn't any clear protections for residents in their first trimester in our contract. There is a provision for sick leave, which you could access if you absolutely need to. And I, I encourage someone, anyone to do if they're having difficulty with first trimester illnesses. But currently under our collective bargaining agreement, there's no specific line item for first trimester illness. Yeah, and you know, I, I don't think it's only uh, the first trimester that's difficult too. I mean, there's also the part after you're pregnant, the postpartum period, when you get your newborn baby and, you know, it's oftentimes difficult to adjust to that too. We've spoken to Kyla again about uh, her difficulties that she faced during the postpartum period. The hardest part, I think the hardest part was uh, my postpartum period, which was way harder than I had anticipated. Uh, then, you know, there's all this build up to later in pregnancy and, you know, having what your birth is going to look like and having your birth plan and all that business. I didn't anticipate how difficult a postpartum period I would, I would have. So I had to be admitted to the hospital twice. Um, I had surgery. I was on IV antibiotics and I was in pain for four months after I had Felix. And then I really struggled with postpartum anxiety 
which I hadn't really figured out what was going on until, you know, hearing from another mom who I really, really respected and felt was like really tough say, you know, I'm struggling and it's more than just tough motherhood. So, you know, I think that took me really by surprise because I had such a healthy pregnancy and, you know, I was fit and, um, you know, I consider myself like a tough person, you know, I work mm-hmm. hard, I'm, I can get through a lot, but, you know, for how, for how prepared I thought I was, I had no idea that it was going to be, uh, that difficult a time. And, uh, my son Felix is, you know, a really great baby and I have a, an extremely supportive husband and family. So I feel, you know, really fortunate that I had the support I needed. But I couldn't imagine, you know, going back to work after four months. <laughs> and I'm really thankful that in Canada we have a year maternity leave because I know that some medical residents don't. I mean, I think one thing to flag there from what Kyla said is, you know, she had planned on taking a full year maternity leave. We didn't actually hear Claire say this today, but she told me that she only wanted to do a six-month maternity leave. We have to kind of realize that sometimes, you know, plans don't, go the way we had planned. And Kyla had difficulty in her postpartum period and she had to adjust as a result. And I don't think there's anything wrong with adjusting your plan if if there's a bump in the road. Absolutely. So I think what we oftentimes forget is that residency is a temporary period in our lives. Um, and uh, things like pregnancy and our other life uh, goals and, you know, our baby, our health, etc. Um, those things can be permanent and more longstanding. And we have to realize that and take that into context. Yeah, for sure. So if you need to, Change the plan. Things always happen unexpectedly. (laughs) For sure. Well, Vivian, this has been a frankly depressing conversation. I'm not sure how I feel at the end of this. Absolutely. But you know what? I just met my one of my uh, senior residence babies, and he is about to go on pat leave. And you know what he told me? He said, when that little guy, a little girl was born happiest things. Everything was worth it along the way and everything continued to be worth it. Just looking at his little baby's eyes. Yeah. So while pregnancy might not be the most fun, parenting, everyone tells us over and over again, is one of the best things they'll ever do. Until they're teenagers. (laughs) Then it's trouble. (laughs) Until they're teenagers, for sure. So, I mean, and next episode in this um, parenting and residency podcast mini-series, we're going to be focusing on the whole parenting process. So if pregnancy got you down, make sure you come back for the parenting part, which is sure to be, uh, I hope, more fun. Again, until they're teenagers. <laughs> well, Vivian, thank you very much for taking the time to chat with me today about parenting and residency. And for everyone out there in the internet, thanks a lot for listening. My pleasure. Bye for now. Bye for now, guys. Well, thank you very much for listening. I hope you enjoyed Vivian and I doing some off-road podcasting. This was episode B, as we're calling it, in our mini-series about parenting and residency. Be sure to check in in two weeks when we'll be releasing episode C, which will be all about the parenting process. That one might be a little longer. There's a lot to talk about when it comes to parenting. And the more I edit this, the more I think this mini-series, which was supposed to be three episodes, might end up being four. So thanks for listening. I hope you've learned something. Uh, And we'll catch you in two weeks. In the interim, there will be another podcast in your feed from us about financial basics for incoming R1s and we're going to be talking disability insurance so if disability insurance helps you fall asleep at night be sure to check us 
out next week. For the music today, the opening song is Unreal DM by Blue Circles. And the closing song that you're hearing right now is Summer Trip by Tagolio. Thanks a lot, guys. We'll catch you in a week.